You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Talk about tonight is a probably one of the more difficult questions uh, that anyone who studies the Torah has. And I also question. The first question is, what's going on with Moshe Rabbeinu and God uh, at the burning bush? What is happening with this? Um, uh, Moshe is like, we know he's the greatest of our people in a way. He is the paragon. And yet, um, Moshe, in the beginning of this week's parsha, well, not the beginning, but in Perigimel, you can see that um, Moshe is, is hesitant. Moshe says a, a number of strange things. I mean, he has God talking to him. And, you know, you can see Moshe says, it's up here on the board, Who am I? Right? I mean, God is telling you. I mean, you have God talking to you. And, and Moshe says, well, I don't know. Who am I? I don't know if I'm worth it. Um, and then we have another statement by Moshe where he says, um, They're not going to believe me. They're going to say God didn't appear to you. And and then we have, of course, Moshe's, um, uh, I, I can't really talk. And, and he says, not from today and not from the day before and from the time you first started talking to me. And now he's got this other excuse that he's, that he's a stutterer. And he can't really get his act together. He doesn't, he's not good at putting his words together. Some, I feel like him tonight. <laughs> you, can't get, you can't get the sentences out straight. And once again, God says that uh, has to has, has to sort of give him some background. As I know, who do you think makes people speak? I'll be with you. And then it ends with with like the most. He says, "All right, God, just send just send whoever it is. Just God, not me." And God is mad. Um. And then Aaron, of course, gets into it. So, um. That perhaps is, has not been so difficult to understand, uh, but I think I think that is also a very crucial point in terms of what it tells us about this uh, parlay between God and uh, Moshe. The other thing that I want to speak about is the figuring out, and that was the title of that. It, that it's hard to get to four hundred. Um, what, what is going on with the Brisbane Absarim, uh, where you have 400, we're supposed to be in Mitzrayim 400 years. Uh, the goal is supposed to be 400 years. In fact, and the Torah actually says it's, it was 400 and even more. Moshe B'nai Yisrael, the Pasuk of Parshas Bo, says that it was actually 430 years. And we know that the Mepharshim struggle to try to figure out what the 400 years are. And it's just a very, you know, it's, it, 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 it's so, you know what Chazal say, of course. And we're going to talk about Chazal, Rashi. And I, I, what I'd like to do is, is, is introduce you to the Raubag's approach to all of these questions. And really, the way to deal with it is not on a, so much a Pusik by Pusik level, but also having in mind what is happening with the purpose of Yitzhiyah Smitzrayim, um, what occurs there, what God needs to do. And I think all of this is tied up with um, Moshe's hesitancy. So in order to, we, we go back to Bereshis, uh in Lech Lecha. Now this was the battle that... Avram was successful in in rescuing uh, Lot and defeating uh, the armies that had uh, the the four kings. Um, 
God then says to him, I'll protect you. Avram says, I know you're going to give me a lot, but you know what I'm missing? I don't have children. The closest I have to a child is really my, my, my trusted um, uh, my trusted servant, Eliezer. And then Avram, we don't know, he continues to sort of complain. And he says, I don't have children. Who else is going to inherit from me? Obviously, it's going to be the, the guy that runs my business interests, Eliezer. <laughs> All of a sudden, God says, you got it wrong. You're going to have someone that springs from your loins, someone who comes out of you. You're going to have actually a biological child who's going to yarsh you. And it's more than that, buddy. He says, you're going to have plenty of kids. You're going to have kids way beyond your wildest dreams. You're going to have, can you count the stars? That's the amount of children you're going to have. And this pasuk is a straight I took you out of the, the place called Kastim, the fiery furnace, perhaps, to bring you to this land to be inherited. And then Avram says, well, how do I know? What's going to be the proof that I am going to inherit it? I believe I'm going to have the kids, but are we going to really have this place as an inheritance? And then God tells him to take, Avram is told, Okay. You okay? So, um, he was told that how do I know I'm going to get Eretz Yisrael? How do I know my children are, will get it? What he's told about is a very terrible, scary thing, which is that they aren't going to be their own people for a long time, and they're going to be persecuted, and they're going to be enslaved for 400 years. But the, the, the nation that enslaves them, I'm going to judge them, Don Anochi, and they're going to go out, they're going to go out with a lot of with wealth. You, by the way, don't worry about you, parenthetically, you're going to die, all right, you're not going to be part of this. You're going to get, you'll grow old. You're still going to live to a very ripe age and be buried. But this is what you wanted to know, Avram. The fourth generation from some spot is going to come back here because, as he says, the uh, Amori, the Amori's Ovon has not been fulfilled until now. And that was it. That, that was the statement. This Pasuk here, this is God telling them that they will get it. So it seems clear. Anybody who reads these Psukim sees that somehow the story of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, of Yeridas Mitzrayim, and everything that happens there is fundamental in order to get Eretz Yisrael. Right, Avram says Bama'eda, Kirishena, and God tells him that this process will lead to the fourth generation coming back here. He's also told how long the exile is going to last, and he says it's that it's four hundred years. Okay. Now, all of us here are very familiar with this Brisbane Absar. Um we read it in the Haggadah Shol Pesach. We talk about it. We refer back to it. But perhaps we don't understand it. Um, different stages. There's Gerus. 
There is Avdus. There is Inui. Three different things mentioned here. Ger, Avdus, and Inui. Now, what is the 400 years? Is the 400 years Inui and Avdus or only Gerus? So we all know what Rashi says. I'll do the Rashi with you. And then we'll see the Ralbad. So Rashi says, Geri Zaracha Mishanolad Yitzchok. All right. Arbameo Shana. What is Arbameo Shana? No. Geri Zaracha Mishanolad Yitzchok. Yitzchok is going to be considered a Ger. Your child, Yitzchok, is a Ger. Not Yishmol, but Yitzchok is a Ger. All right. 400 years is the total. So in other words, uh, it's going to be 400 years from Yitzchak's birth. And Yitzchak's Mitzrayim will happen 400 years after Yitzchak's birth. Geitzad. Yitzchak ben Shishim kishanolad Yaakov. Yaakov shared Mitzrayim. We know like this. Yitzchak was 60. All right. When Yaakov goes down to Mitzrayim, what does he tell Paro? That he's 130 years old. And it's very, very difficult life that he's had. But that would be 190 years from Yitzchok's birth. How does Rashi know that? Where do we know it was 210 years? So based on Chazal, Chazal take the gematria, as you know, of what did, what did we say in Parshas Vayigash? Redu Shama. Redu. Go down. Go down. Redu is an interesting word to use. Tered, <laughs> yelech. So whenever there's a strange type of verb used, Chazal sort of have a tradition that you, gematria kicks in, right? Redu is the gematria of, Resh is, of course, 200, Dawud and Vav makes 10, and that's how we get 210. Now, all right, so it was 210, from one, so you take 210 and 190, you get 400. Now, Rashi then questions Chazal. Maybe Chazal are wrong. Maybe they actually were in Mitzrayim like the simple Pshat and Pesach. They were, sim- they were in Mitzrayim 400 years. He says that can't be. And he proves it. Rashi says, Hare Kohos, Miyorde Mitzrayim Hoya. Kohos, we know, was one of the 70 people mentioned in Parshas Vayigash, right? When we mention Levi's children, we mention uh, Gershon, Kohos, and Marori. So Kohos is one of the people that is mentioned. Now, we know Kohos lives in Parshas um, Ve'era. We know Kohos's age is mentioned there, right? Joe, you're nodding. You know that's true. Kohos is mentioned to, to have lived to be 133 years, right? Kohos lives to be 133. Kohos's son is Amram, who lives to be 130. Okay. So, Moshe Rabbeinu, we know when he's 80, they leave Mitzrayim. So, Rashi says right away, you, going down to Mitzrayim happens, we don't know how old Kohos is when we go, we go down to Mitzrayim. But he was definitely alive. We don't know how old he was, but he was alive. The total years of Kohos and the total years of Amram and 80 years of Moshe don't equal 400. Rashi says, take the years of Kohos, take the years of Amram, and take 80 of Moshe, which is because when he, he was 80 when they left. It's 350 approximately, right? Do your math. 133. 130 and 80 is a little bit less, right? A little bit less than 350. 130 and 133 and 130 is 263. 263 and 80 is three, right? 263 and 80 is 343 approximately, right? So assuming that Kohas was seven years old or say whatever, minimum, 
let's say he was maybe he was probably older, but even if you want to say he was seven, so basically you have approximately 350. So, if I, and, and that can't be it anyway, because you have to take out the years. Because you also have to now extract, obviously, Kohos didn't give birth to Amram when Amram was, when he was, when he was three, right? So, uh, so in other words, and, and, and the Kohos lives to be 133. So how old was Kohos when Amram was born? And how old was Amram when Moshe was born? So all of that indicates that it could not have been 400 years. They did not stay in Mitzrayim 400 years. So if they didn't stay in Mitzrayim 400 years because it's impossible, then how could the Torah say 400 years? So we need to say that 400 years does not mean they were in Mitzrayim 400 years. It means that from the, you have to say, how was 400 years true? From the time of Yitzchok's birth. Ad Khan Rashi. Now, I want to show you one other Rashi, though. Um, and this is Rashi and Parshas, uh, Parshas Bo. So here he is, as the Jews are leaving Mitzrayim, it's actually 430 years. The time they stayed in Mitzrayim, that they were there, was 430 years. Um, now, Rashi right away says, Moshe and Israel doesn't mean they were in Mitzrayim all that time, meaning the Jews were sort of settling and surviving the Bnei Yisrael, we call the some quote-unquote Jewish people, and they were in Mitzrayim, which was the last place that they were as not really themselves, was 430 years total. Says Rashi, you can see on the board, Benakol. Hmm. Now, Mishanoad Yitzchak Adachshav was 400 years, as we already saw from Rashi and Lech Lecha. Mishoyilo Zeru Avram, Niskayim, Kiger Yezaracha. Okay. But where do you get 30 from? Vishloshim Shona, Choya, Mishanigzera, Gzera Ben Absarim, Ad Shanoad Yitzchak. Now we're saying that Brisbane Absarim happened. 30 years before Yitzchak was born. And then Rashi does pretty much uh, what he said before. You can say they were Mitzrayim for all that time, because once again, um, repeats himself. But now Rashi throws in another bomb, which is, which is in the Seder Olam. And that is that Brisbane Absarim happened when Avram was 70. Right? What is wrong with that? What's wrong with saying that? What is wrong? I mean, What's wrong with saying that it was 70, that Avram was 70? I will tell you. Let's go back to the beginning of Lech Lecho, shall we? Horatius 12. Lech Lecho, leave, go to Israel. Okay. Well, what does it say about Avram's leaving to go? You're going to be great, and I'm going to bless you. It's going to be a tremendous place. What does it say in the fourth Pasuk in Lech Lecho? that he was 75. Hello? He he only leaves to go to Israel when he's 75. And now you're telling me that Brisbane Absarim, that we were reading about, happens when he was 70? What? (laughs) What happened? So you have to say, according to Rashi, according to Chazal, that he actually, that, that Parsha Tezvav happens before Parsha Yudbez. Perik, that actually happens before Lech Lecha. Now, these words, Vayomer Lavram, we're told to Avram before Parshas, the beginning of Parshas. How could that be? How could that be? You have to say that it was written out of order and that Avram was in Israel already because he says it's happening in this land. So Avram actually comes to Israel at 70. 
He goes back to Choron, and then he go and and then he leaves with with Sarai and Lot when he's seventy five. But he was actually in Israel twice. So Lech Lecha isn't this big, you know, major move. Well, it's move. It's a major move because he's going to stay for good. But really, he was there five years ago, and that's when he was told that you're going to. Because remember, that's what Rashi just said. Brisbane of, or else, four hundred thirty doesn't make sense. The only way four thirty makes sense is to say that from the time Avram was told about what the Jewish people's travails and struggles would be, it's been 430 years since old man Abraham was told this. That's what it said in Parsha's bow. Which means that we have now made a t- complete mess out of Parsha's uh, Lech Lecha. That the beginning of Lech Lecha is really not Avram, the big Nesoyo, and I'm leaving. He's been there already. He was there, and, and right? That's one incredible problem. The other problem is this. This, what's this mean? Akar Dvarim What? It's before everything, right? If, if Rashi is right, it's not after what just happened. It's before everything happened, right? After all this, God says, your, your scar is, is, is major. And then Avram asks, well, what are you going to give me? All I have is Eliezer. Wait, Eliezer, isn't he? He's, he's later. He's the guy that you fought with, uh, with against the kings, right? I mean, you're, you're saying you don't have kids? Like, what's going on with that exactly? Um, is that? The, and so it sounds like, you know, Avram has reason to be worried it doesn't sound like Avram is right here in Israel, and the first thing he is, he, he's complaining. So this is this is a, a problem that that many have had with Rashi. I don't know if anybody describes it as well as the Raubag does, but these are some of the Raubag's questions. How could you learn like this? Now the Abarbanel, to his credit, says that Rashi is Rashi and Chazal are actually. But that up until Pasuk Vav, it's not when Avram is 70. Pasuk Vav, there should be like a psik here. There should be a, a pay or a samach. There should be samach here. It's not there. But it should be basically like a like, like, like close. It should be the end of a chapter. It isn't. But that's the way we should look at it, the Barbanel says, to explain Rashi. Pasuk Ches is a throwback to before Avram ever gets there. Vayomer Eilav Ani Adonai is, even though it says Vayomer Eilav, which means the character is definitely here, this is where the Pusik should be from when Avram was 70. In other words, Avram complaining, I'm not going to have kids, I don't know what's going on, maybe Eliezer's going to yarshin me, that was chronologically correct, right after the war. But Pusik Zion is really a throwback, according to Rashi and Chazal, to Avram's first visit to Israel. And that's why it can make sense for Avram to be given the Brisbane Absarim and for Avram to be told it's going to be 400 years, because as Rashi says in Parsha's bow, it's 30 years from this point, uh, from the point he hears this till Yitzchak is born. That is the Abarbanel's incredible dochek, which you need to say, <laughs> to, or else in Rashi, that Pusik Zion is, 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 is the throwback to before Avram gets there. Before I read the Raubag, I do want to mention that the great Makubal, Rebbe Lazar Askari, uh, the author of the Sefer Haredim, um, who we sing his um, Yedid Nefesh song, many people know. And I've mentioned the Haredim a number of times in this year. He believes there's a great secret to be found in this convoluted Rashi, uh, Seder Olam, a Barbanel explanation. And that is that the only way you could really have the real desire for Israel is if you go there first in some fashion. 
your first trip, in a way, generates the ava for your real return. But if you've never been there, if you've never really had that experience, it's all imaginative. It's just your imagination and, and stuff. You need to taste Eretz Yisrael once. And then you go back. Then the second time, it's really meaningful, which is a very true point. I think most people who have gone to Israel realize that their first trip, they're usually just overwhelmed. And right, it's, it's that second trip that really is what changes their life usually or, or could, could alter the way things are going for them. And they need to have the first trip to, in order to have the cheshek, to really love Israel. If you, if you never, if you, ne- if you haven't gone, so, and again, many people will tell you, they go for their bar mitzvah and they didn't really know what was happening, but somehow the memories and the, the connection was strong enough. But that, that is, to me, an after the fact type of explanation. The Rabag feels he needs to basically punch out Chazal and, and come up with a rationale as to what's going on with these, with these numbers and, and, and how do we make sense of it. So let me, let me, let me share the Rabag with you. I mean, Yaakov. Hmm. Okay. So it's from Yaakov's birth that the 400 years need to be started. Now, so in this way, he's sort of in Rashi's boat that, okay, it's not really 400 years, is it? No, well, but it's 400 years from the time Yaakov was born, not Yitzchok. Now, Yaakov was born in 2108. 2108. They left Mitzrayim 2448. Okay? So 2108 and 400 would be 2508. So, as he's going to say, so it should have, they should have left Mitzrayim in the year 2508. Let's see. So first of all, he disagrees with Rashi. Yitzchak is not a ger. How is Yitzchak a ger? Right? So Rashi says, well, Yitzchak is a ger because, come on, he, he, he goes to gore, he goes to gror, Lagur Baritz Banu, all of that is 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 is. <laughs> we know what that is. That is um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Using language <laughs> to make a point that's really not real. Um, yeah, rhetorical, okay. sophistry, sophistry. Yeah, what does Rashi? What does Rashi say? Oh, Yitzchak is the gear. How is Yitzchak the gear? Yitzchak never left Eretz Yisrael. Here, from the time Yitzchak was born, that's where Geir Yitzchak. How is Yitzchak a Geir? Yitzchak never leaves, right? So Rashi says, well, it says Vayogor, right? right? It says Vayogor Begror. So Gror is basically like a suburb almost out of Eretz Yisrael, but isn't. It says Vayogor, so you see Yitzchak felt like a Geir. The Rabag says, okay, look, it's not Yitzchak. Yaakov is a real Geir. Because Yaakov is the one who spends a good part of his life, Be'eretz Lolachem Geros Masmid. He spends a good amount of his life in a land that doesn't belong to him as a stranger. Now, so that's, that's one thing. Then he says the second point. V'hinei mihir Adonai Yisalva Esaketz Kamo Shishim Shana. So this is the Rabag's principle that the Jews left Mitzrayim early. God needed to take them out early. And the reason was because they were being destroyed. The symbolism of the, uh, of the burning bush is a symbolism that the Jews who are low are being tortured to the point that it, they will not survive. They will physically give up as a people they're going to throw in the towel. They're going to be decimated psychologically and physically. And because of that, God needs to change course. Now, for most of us, we would say God doesn't change courses. Raubag lives in a different philosophical world than we do. In the Raubag's world, human beings 
have such free will and things change that even God's descriptions about the way things should be on a perfect level can be altered by humans. And the way they alter them is by their free will. So they can take something that's set in stone like 400 years and God can say, you know what, we can't do that. It can't happen because um, it won't work. So basically, God has to erase 60 years from the, uh, from, from the suffering or the, uh, the diaspora of Egypt. 400 years, have 40, 60 years have to be sliced off. Now, then he gets into Rashi. Now, maybe Chazal right that it's 210. And that would be, because um, you think about it, Yaakov is 130, right? If Yaakov is 130 and they spend 210, that makes 340. That's exactly 60 years that God slices off. Except Chazal. That it's from Yitzchak's birth. Because where do you, how else, how are you going to have 430 years? You cannot say that this Navua, look what he says, it's impossible to say that this Navua happened before Yitzchak was 30 years before Yitzchak was born. Because Avram only leaves Choron when he's 75. And this Navua has to be after Avram's in Israel. Because why, what's the first thing he complains to God? Oh, I don't have any children. Oh, I'm not having any children. Maybe he should, maybe going to Israel is going to change his life. And therefore, and if you look at the very next parak, what happens? Hagar becomes Avram's uh, concubine. So now, therefore, it can't be as soon as he gets there. That Avram went back to Haran? Who built the Niralanu? That makes, it, it, it doesn't seem can make any sense. We know Avram would only say, I don't know if I'm having kids, if he's in Israel for 10 years. Because we know from the Chazal tell us that if a person gets married, he should at least give himself 10 years to have kids. If a person makes a major change in his life, like going to the Holy Land, 10 years, then he should say, I don't think I'm having any kids. And that's why Sarah decided she's going to take Hagar. But that would mean that it's not happening when Avram is 70. It's happening when Avram is 85. Another problem is, In other words, why would Avram go back? If Avram was there at 70, why would he go back? Did he not take Sarai with him? He's in Israel. Why would he go back? Didn't God say you shouldn't leave unless there's a famine? God says stay in Israel. Why does he, if, if Rashi is right, if Chazal is right, why did Avram not stick it out? Why didn't he go in, like the Abarmanel says, he didn't take everything with him. But why would he do that? The Rabbag doesn't understand. Why would he come and go back? It makes no sense to say that he was in Israel and went back to Haran and stayed another five years. Because we know what the Pasuk says in, in Parshas Noach, it says they made their way to Canaan and they stopped in Haran. Which means they were already on their way. Not that he wasn't Eretz Yisrael and went back to Haran. When the Pesach and Parshas Noach talks about Terach and Avram and Lot making their way to Canaan, it says, and they stopped in Choron. That shows you, the Rabag says, that, that they came to Choron, not Avram coming to Choron didn't happen on the way back from Israel. Coming to Choron was on the way back from Ur Kastim. And the next point, and this is the point that is really very important to read carefully. Adonai 
Kishochotzi Yisrael Mimitzrayim. If Rashi is right, that the 400 years are exact, then the idea of Mehiras Haketz is not true. And we know, Raubag says, that the whole reason why Moshe is shown the Sneh, the whole reason why the beginning of Sefer Shmos is the way it is, because something unnatural is happening. What's unnatural is happening? The Jews are leaving before their time. God is interrupting the normal order that he originally put into place. The Raubag sees the beginning of Shmos as God needing to pivot. God needs to change the situation. And Moshe, prophet as he is, realizes that the situation is not normal. It doesn't make sense for them to leave. They're not supposed to leave yet. God wants to alter the rules of fate, so to speak, that he sort of created in order to change up the situation. The whole conversation between God and Moshe in the beginning of Sefer Shmos is predicated on the fact that two things are going on. Number one, the Jews should not be leaving Mitzrayim. 400 years have not ended. That's number one. Number two, they have no right to go to Israel yet because they they can't kick these people out. They don't have the schuyot to kick these people out. Now, the Ralbag believes that human beings can rise themselves to a level where the rules get bent. But not everybody can that happen to. You need to turn yourself into a different type of person for the rules to bend for you. So in other words, first of all, for the Jews to leave Mitzrayim early, there needs to be a special dispensation. Number two, in order for the Jews to get Israel and to kick the other nations out before their time, they need to be a uplifted and changed people. Otherwise, the rules of nature or that God put into effect apply and they can't get Israel. So there's two factors that Al-Bag is, 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 is dealing with. Number one, it's clear that the reason why Moshe is called into action is because God needs to change the script. And the reason he's able to change the script is because we were the pe- we are the children of Avram and Yitzhak and Yaakov. And for their sake, the same way he changed the script for them, he bent the rules of nature for them, he bends in some way the rules of nature for us to allow us to leave Mitzrayim early. For their sake. That dynamic is the whole discussion at the burning bush and what Avra and what Moshe Rabbeinu says. Moshe Rabbeinu says, and let's go back to where we started. Moshe Rabbeinu says, we should be destroyed. It looks like we're getting destroyed. Something is, is shielding us. What's shielding us from being destroyed is the schut avot. But really, what's happening, our destruction is imminent. The schut avot can't last that much longer unless God gets involved. That's the symbolism of the snap and the fire, according to Raubag. And therefore, God says, Anochi avicha. It's because I had a relationship with these men that I am protecting it because really maybe they should have been obliterated up until now. I'm keeping them alive just because they are the children of Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. Moshe realizes that it's God talking to him 
and he realizes that something amazing is happening to himself. And that's what he says. I know what they're going through. I need to take them out early. And not only that, you know that I need to take them to Eretz Zavas Cholavodvosh and kick out the Knanim, even though it's not time yet. Because remember, it's supposed to be the Dor Revi. That hasn't happened yet. But I got to do it because of their pain. Moshe Rabbeinu's question is, Okay, but also, I can't take the Bnei Yisrael out. What schus do they have to go out? The rules of nature are, the way I know from prophecies that were given, that are set in stone, they can't leave. They have no right to leave. They can't. There's, there's nothing great about them. They are in a very, they, are, they don't deserve bending of the rules. They don't deserve it. So, and there's no way you can take them out and just leave them in the desert. What schus do they have as people to kick the Canaanim out of the land of, is, uh, of Israel? So, according to the Raubag, God answers that, look, don't worry about you. Uh, me and you, you are going to have special hashkocha protest from me. But the Jewish people, if you want to know why they are going to be able to be taken out and kick the Canaanim out, because this process is going to result in this. They will do incredible things on this mountain. When they get to this mountain, they are going to prove that they also deserve a, a, a change in the laws of nature. What's the law of nature I'm talking about? That they will go to Israel and kick these people out who aren't supposed to leave yet. And the reason is they are going to accept God totally and completely to fulfill his will. And that is going to be such a great thing that you are going to help me accomplish that they are going to earn the right to have Israel. What gives them the right to have Israel, to have Eretz Yisrael, and to have all the special brach of Eretz Yisrael is their acceptance of the Torah at Har Sinai. Now, of course, living the Torah is going to help them as well. But even what they do in the way they accept it, the Ralabag says, is going to indicate what, what quality of person they are. And that's going to give them the merit to march straight into Israel and to kick those Canaanim out. Moshe Rabbeinu, again, is, is wondering how God is going to change, bend the rules. Moshe, somehow, in his years of wandering, traveling, in the, being a shepherd, has somehow become aware of the basic tenets of how the world works. And he knows that in order for things to be changed, there needs to be extreme actions, or at least there needs to be beautiful actions that elevate the human to beyond normal nature. And he does not see that in the B'nai Yisrael at all. Now God says, look, I'm saving their lives and taking them out because of Avram Yitzhak Yaakov. I changed nature for them. You know about them. That's what he tells Moshe. You know, Elohei Avicha. You know who they are. And you know that they, I change nature for them all the time. And their children are an extension of them at least enough to get them out of Mitzrayim now. Now, and that's why I'm going to shave off the 60 years. Now, you have a good question. Your question is, how can they go into Israel? I'll tell you how. We are going together. Me and you are going to form a partnership. And in that partnership, we are going to change them to a point that they are going to show on Mount Sinai that they are also elevated people that deserve a, a, a change in the natural order of things. That is the Raubag's explanation here. Now, try him early 
is because of the schut of their ancestors. They'll get that. Okay, that they'll get. And they'll also understand that what's happening to them is, is intolerable. Okay. Now, that the schus of our ovos can change nature. But we could have said that. Where do you have any proof that the being that can alter nature spoke to you? And then we have the the miracles. And the Raubag explains this based on how miracles work. And that, um, and with this, what makes a Novi is that he's able to predict and tell them something beyond nature is going to happen before it happens. We know later in the Torah, the way you are able to tell if a Novi is a Novi is that he tells us things that are going to happen into the future. And if we know later from Sefer Dvarim, that if he tells us that some event that is totally beyond nature will happen, then you know that he's a Navi. No, it has to happen, not just that he right. tells you it will that happen. he tells you and it does happen. A person who's a dreamer or magic is not able to predict an action, a miraculous action, and say it's going to happen. That can only, that is what a Navi does. And therefore, what Moshe Rabbeinu does to Am Yisrael is exactly what we see later in the Torah of how you're bochen and avi. And that's the three, that, that is the, that, those are the three signs that, that he's talking about. Um, one, again, I'll just end with this. The idea of Moshe Rabbeinu saying he can't talk. Um, from, from today and from yesterday, um, The Raubag says it's not because Moshe was a, a stutterer and didn't know how to speak. Really, it's almost God's fault that this is happening. Because as he's spending these days with God, Rov is bodus binyonam ha'elohim. I mean, he is like processing, his brain is firing on all circuits, like doing, having stuff in his mind that he never even had before. And therefore, he's becoming more and less connected to what we would say is a normal speech patterns of people. And that's what he says. From the time you started talking to me, that's when I started to be, became difficult to talk. I mean, I might have been a pretty normal schmoozer up until now. Maybe I wasn't Lawrence Olivier. But as this thing has been going on with me seeing the, the burning bush, that's actually caused me to become less, have less ability to speak. You know why? Because you've given me such a taste of what it is to feel God that every fiber in my being doesn't want to talk to anybody. What I want to do is just, I just want to, I just want to be connected and process you and, 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 and sense your being as much as possible. So that's why he's saying that at, at this point, you know, I'm not even, uh, you know, what you've done to me has turned me into sort of like uh, I'm, I'm spaced out. I don't have the capacity to speak normal anymore because my brain is just firing off thinking about God. And, and I, it's like I, I can't make that connection to like a normal person to talk anymore. So God answers him that, um, look, you're right. I'm going to do something. I'm going to, I'm going to do special hashkoch on you. Normally, people that are, are, that are plugged into me, 
they're bumping into walls or whatever it is, they can't just carry on normal conversations. I'm going to do a special hashkoch on you that you're going to be able to do both. You're going to be dovik to me and you're still going to be able to speak. So therefore, right, that is, and, and that is what, that's what Moshe was sort of scared of. Moshe was scared that he would lose his devakus to God. And he says, I'm just worried that, is that maybe, you know, maybe when I get down there and start talking to Paro and all the old memories come back, maybe I'm not going to be able to sort of be worthy of you doing this magic trick of allowing me to be a good speaker at the same time being Dovik to you. So therefore, he said, you know, I don't know if I can take it. So it wasn't like Moshe Rabbeinu was sort of like saying, take this job, I don't want it. Moshe Rabbeinu understands the mechanism of Nevuah and understands what's going on. He understands that, that it's like God having special hashgach on him, allowing him to be this Navi who's dovuk to God completely, but at the same time able to speak so brilliantly step by step. He says, that's, he says maybe something will happen and I won't, I, I won't be worthy of that anymore. And that is good. God said you shouldn't, God was still angry at him, but it wasn't that God was really angry. He just said that Moshe was wrong about that. Why? Because you could be constantly with God and God can give you the nevuah. And Moshe proved it in his life. Because as you remember, Moshe throughout the story of the Torah was able to actually process on two levels, right? We know that that happened. For example, it says in Bamidbar, Moshe was able in many ways to be this great misbodate with God and also be able to speak with people. So therefore, Moshe definitely had it in him as the rest of history showed. But Moshe was, in a way, because of his modesty, didn't believe that that was something that he would be capable for himself to be able to do. So this is basically, again, it's a... Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.